Hey, 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 Closet Busters and Bold Move Makers. It is time once again for Life Uncloset. So I want you to gather around because it is time once again to kick down those closet doors of your life. We're here to escape our BS, explore our fears, and elevate our self-expression. I'm your host, Rick Clemens. I'm the Bold Move expert and that coming out guy who's going to take you to the party, the pulpit, the wake, and back to the party of living your life uncloset. So come on along with me and grab hold of yourself and get ready to step out, step up, and step into facing your fears, making your bold moves, and living life without apologies. Now let's get to the show. All right, ladies, this one is kind of for the guys, but you probably have a guy in your life that you're like, oh yeah, I get this. I totally get this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I have a guy who is, well, he's just nice. He's he's kind of kind. He's He's sensitive. Oh, that's got to mean he's gay. No, not necessarily. There are lots of guys in the world who are sensitive guys, but they get bashed for being that. And they they are even afraid to like admit this is who I am. So guess what? This is one of those coming out journeys that isn't a true quote coming out journey about sexuality. But there are many men who walk the planet like I just am afraid to show my sensitivity. But there's beauty that happens when you finally reveal it. And today I'm speaking with a guest. His name is William Allen, and he has written a book just for you sensitive guys and ladies, for that guy that you love. Oh, he should have this book. The book is actually called The Sensitive Man. He is from Bend, Oregon. He's a hypno-coaching expert and with some neurofeedback brain work that he puts into all of this. But I'm excited because I feel like this is a conversation that every man should be having whether you're super sensitive or a little sensitive, because there is nothing wrong with being a sensitive man. So William, can't wait. Welcome to the podcast, man. I'm so happy to have you here, man. Thanks, Rick. I appreciate it. Glad to be here. Yeah. So, um, wow. (laughs) This is probably a sticky little subject that you kind of had to grapple with through your own world of, you know, like being an information technology. And I know you work for Wells Fargo and all this stuff, but being a sensitive guy is kind of like, well, Kind of like not cool sometimes, right? It depends on where you are and who you're around, that kind of thing. But you're absolutely right. The the first book that I wrote, the one you mentioned, Confessions of a Sensitive Man, is mm-hmm. kind of my journey. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm in late 60s now, but, uh, you know, this is, uh, I've always been sensitive ever since I was a little kid. It's a, it's a, uh, um, a trait that is a temperament trait, which means it's largely genetic and also has some uh, uh, nurturing components as well. But you're absolutely right. And I grew up in the southeastern U.S., which is probably one of the most conservative and traditional in terms of masculinity and so forth. Um, And to be sensitive uh, and grow up in that environment, well, I did a lot of push back on myself and my natural tendencies and so forth mm-hmm. and so on. But uh, I discovered Elaine Aaron's book uh, probably in the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. I've been grappling with this my whole life. Much of it is dealing with, um, as we had talked about earlier, it's kind of coming out, uh, coming out mm-hmm. with your sensitivity and expressing it and owning it and being proud of it. Um But when I read her book, it checked all the boxes. For the first Mm -hmm. time, somebody had written something that had made sense of the way I felt, the way I was uh, as a person, 
explain my personality to, to me as if I had just now got introduced to it. And even after reading that, Rick, I it took me almost 10 years of grappling with, uh, yeah, you've got these traits, but no, you're not a sensitive guy. You know, mm-hmm. because my entire life, and I, I suspect this happens to a lot of sensitive men elsewhere, is that I was told I was too sensitive. Mm-hmm. And I because yep. I was too sensitive that I wasn't being masculine enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and so being sensitive, even the word sensitive, caused me to bristle up and say, oh, you know, that's not a good thing. That's a bad thing. I shouldn't be that way. Men are not sensitive. And it wasn't until I started, I retired from work, uh, and I started writing a blog to explore what this really meant, that I started to understand the depth and dimension of this trait. It isn't just about what people typically call sensitivity as being overly emotional or perhaps too dramatic an expression of emotion or not being able to take criticism or being wimpy or weak or anything else. I assure you, sensitive men are not those things, Mm -hmm. that there's more to this. There's more depth and dimension. And uh, when I started to understand the trait, it was so much easier for me to say, yep, that's who I am and that's who I'm going to be the rest of my life. And I think so many guys have felt this because every one of us in some way, shape or form, and I I don't think there's a guy on the planet, honestly, that hasn't experienced this stop crying man up in some way. Now they may have turned into being a very, you know, masculine toxic sort of guy themselves, but that's where this all starts. I mean, as little boys, we are told man up, you know, quit being a sissy, quit being a crybaby, right. And there's almost like this, Passover, so to speak, you know, when we're little boys, it's like, okay, that's kind of cool. But then suddenly we get that message, you know, from society and from our world, like, this is what you have to be. And this is what it is. And I remember a good friend of mine, who I've done some work with. I always like, you know, gay men, we're pretty intuitive about this sort of stuff, right? And I've always looked at him and like, I just wonder, you know, I wonder if he's, you know, playing on my team, so to speak, right? Which is a bad assumption, too. Just because a guy's a really quiet, sensitive guy does not mean he's gay. So it's almost like reverse, you know, homophobic, you know, discrimination, so to speak. And the more I watched him and I learned about him and got to know him, like, he's just a really good guy. And he just has a softer edge to him. He's not ever going to be. But then he has this really interesting, quirky, (laughs) masculine side to him, too. I'm like, okay, I don't really know how to see you. But. I think this happens also where the assumptions get made that, oh, if you're a sensitive man, that means you must be gay. You know, that's yeah, how you I, show up in the world. I think that's 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 the I think usually the first pass. Uh-huh. That's what what people assume that that you're gay. Yep. And, I, you know, and, and Rick, I think the root of all this is when we start talking about uh sort of like this gender identity. What is masculine? What is feminine? Mm -hmm. And as you have put it very astutely, is that uh, as men, this idea of what masculinity is, it's a social construct. It does not exist genetically. It is simply how we've decided as a culture, we're going to expect men to behave, right? And so there's been this thing that's been built over millennia 
about what men are supposed to be. Uh, the same thing is true for women as well. They yep. have their things. But what I see and what what is uh, where the sensitivity part is sort of the rubber meets the road with me is the fact that these things that we often associate with women being nurturing, being able to express emotion and feeling, being intuitive, right? These yep. are all things that we sort of bucket in the female bucket. Those are all human characteristics. Yep. Expressing and feeling emotions are very, very human. So what we've misconstrued is that something that all humans are equipped with, but 50% of the humans, and I would imagine there's some other things on the feminine side, but on the masculine side, we're not allowed to access those things mm -hmm. that are called feminine. Yep. And so the idea that anything that's not masculine is feminine. Yep. And so I think even when we, we when so uber hyper masculine men, uh, the first thing they think of, as you said, is that that person must be gay because we always associate gay men as being somewhat effeminate. And yep. that to me is the same kind of uh, sort of generalization and stereotyping that happens with, with sensitive men as well, is they're immediately thought of as being effeminate because we can express emotion, we can feel things at a very deep level, we're extremely empathetic, you know, and uh, there's, but again, there's a lot more to the trait than just those sort of superficial things. Well, right. But we, this is how we land. It's like we make. it's almost like we make these surface assumptions and then boom, here we are without people really digging in and going, okay, let's kind of look at this at a different, you know, let's look at this on a different plane. Let's kind of really figure out, okay, we humans, you know, we need the label. We need to understand all this stuff, right? Instead of letting people be who they are. And I think that's the biggest one of the biggest challenges I know in the LGBTQ space, but also I remember, well, it's been at least, well, probably about five, six, yeah, five years ago. I was on college campus here at Cal Poly University in San Luis Obispo, where I live. And I was over there to do a, a speaking thing. And then I was walking through campus, right through the student union, and they were having one of their club rush days, you know, like join our club, right. be this, right? And there was a booth for, and I'm not going to get the name right, but basically it was like stopping toxic masculinity. And I thought, well, that's kind of interesting. So I wandered over there. I'm always curious about, you know, what the younger generation is doing. And this was kind of right in the Me Too movement was at its heyday and everything. And I started talking to these guys and I, we had a really good conversation. And before I knew it, they're like, would you come talk to us? I said, well, of course. I'm like, I'm not quite sure what I'm going to talk about, but yeah, let's right. give this a try, right? And um, it was such a powerful experience because I realized how much the younger generation is much more open to having these kind of conversations Absolutely. than yours and my generation. You know, I'm a boomer, you're a boomer. And I think sometimes we've been so conditioned that that generation can't, like see their way through to this. But as I've worked with, you know, Gen Z's, millennials, you know, Gen Xers, all that, the conversations that we have are so much different. But I still see that little bit of a tendency in a lot of guys like, I, I got to hold back. I got to hold back because somebody might figure right. something out. So in your own experience, I'm assuming a lot of why these books came into being was your own experience as being a guy that's like, hey, I'm just kind of a sensitive guy. Why is this always happening to me? 
I want to I want to reiterate something I, 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 that you just said that uh, I have a great deal of hope mm-hmm. because of uh, millennials and Gen Z. Yeah, and I think the generation after, which would be my youngest grandson, is something they're calling now Gen Alpha. But mm-hmm. uh, I have a great deal of faith that they have had exposure to and access to good information. They make good. Uh, uh, decisions about things Uh, and they're a generation that's going to make a difference they're Mm -hmm. going to change things they're going to swing things politically they're going to swing things on uh, cultural levels Uh, I think we'll see some changes I hope uh, on things like climate change uh, on inequality that goes across the board uh, all over the place I have a great deal of faith in them now, I haven't lost faith in the us boomers, uh, but I really think a lot of people in our generation are locked into what they were uh, culturally uh, taught, and they're not willing to be open as, about it as some of these younger generations are. And um, there are a lot of us together, uh, people of color, uh, LGBTQ plus individuals, uh, highly sensitive people, um, and uh, there's there's many other groups that are out there that I think are going to find that we are all going to be allies mm-hmm. because we are going to be the ones who affect change uh, mm-hmm. that, that alter the ship, change it, change the direction, and get us in a track that is sustainable and equitable for for mm-hmm. all people. And I I have a great deal of faith in them. And, and they are the ones who are receiving the message about sensitivity a lot better than people of my generation and your generation. Um, mm. It's just, uh, it, you know, like I said, it's a, I, like you said, it's a lack of openness, willingness to look at things. And more importantly, for a lot of men, it's being true to yourself and being authentic and not being afraid to step out and be that person. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and if it's sensitive, it's sensitive. And if you're LGBTQ plus, that's who you are, you know, mm-hmm. and that's what I love about what's happening is people are now starting to come into their own. Everybody says, well, you know, everybody's too sensitive about everything now. Well, you know what? If you were part of a group of people who have been suppressed, oppressed, discriminated against, you know, you're getting damn tired of this. And you want to be seen for who you are. If we really want to have an egalitarian society, a society that functions and uses everybody usefully, not only for their benefit, for the benefit of society, we have got to put these artificial constructs out of the way. And let's start looking at people as human beings first, Mm -hmm. as human beings first. And if we do that, I think uh, we get past ethnicity culture um, orientation any of that stuff we'll get past that because we see each other as human beings first and foremost and i think that's critical right now well it is critical and i was recently um listening to a podcast um that oprah had on super soul sunday with um trying to think of her name uh sister joan chichester and she has a new book called The Time Is Now, uh, called Uncommon Courage. And it's exactly what you were just talking about. Giving this, looking at each other through the lens of humans, 
first before anything else. We're just humans, mm. right? And then, and there was a couple of really great, you know, value bombs that she dropped, but like we have become such a society of me, me, me. And if you don't fit my me, me, me mold, then you, you do not exist. And I feel like this is very, very prevalent with men. If you don't fit the mold of a man, and I know it happens in women too, but you know, for men, I think it's even more just exacerbated, so to speak, yeah. that suddenly you have to like live up to a construct, you know? And I was, so I listened to it. I was, I was actually driving my parents to the airport and, or going to pick my parents up from the airport, which is about an hour and a half away and listened to it. And then when I dropped them off on the return, I'm like, ah, I want to listen to that again because there was some really good stuff. She talks a lot about, you know, we're passing over a certain, you know, vortex, so to speak, in, in humanity right now. And I think the, un, you know, the uncommon thing with guys being sensitive needs to really become the common thing, that it's okay for men to be sensitive and there to never be any reason that you can't be that. And the time is now for this to be, become part of the way of being in the world, in my opinion. But. Well, yeah. Let me let me. Can I do like a little baseline for us about what uh, sensitivity absolutely. is? Absolutely. So, so that we're working with some terms that that uh, define the trait. Uh, typically, there are four characteristics of highly sensitive people: men, women, whatever. And one thing I want to offer up to is that sensitivity is a spectrum. Okay, so you've got highly sensitive people like myself. Uh, you've got people who are moderately sensitive and you've got people who are less sensitive. Now what that sensitive means in that spectrum is uh, how does the environment around them affect them? Highly sensitive people are more impacted by what they see and sense and feel in the environment. So naturally they're going to be more reactive to changes in the environment. People who are less sensitive, uh, let's say on the other end of the spectrum, are more likely to be risk takers, maybe willing to 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 you know do sort of crazy wild things uh, that highly sensitive people may be more cautious and careful about. Okay, so yeah. that's kind of the endpoints of this this spectrum. Um, everybody has that degree of sensitivity. It's whether or not it's you're highly sensitive to environmental changes or you're less sensitive. Now, how does that play into what we consider to be sensitive and what we usually define as sensitive? Well, there four characteristics that we attribute generally to all highly sensitive people. And you can remember the acronym DOES, D-O-E-S. D stands for depth of processing. Highly sensitive people are very, very deep thinkers, okay? Uh, and you probably notice this a lot when you're talking to somebody. They, they, they seem to be kind of externally quiet, but internally there's gears going left and right and everything. So they process things at a much deeper level. And that yep. requires a lot of CPU is sort of our in our brain, a lot of time, and, and it can be draining energetically, which causes the second letter, O, which stands for overstimulation. Uh, highly sensitive people get overwhelmed a lot easier. And that's one of the things I think most people see in sensitive people. That's sort of immediately what they're drawn to. Oh, they just shut down, or they just need to get away, or are they just overreacting to things? It really isn't that so much as it is that highly sensitive people, uh, not like most people, are not often taught how to stay calm in situations, how to calm their mind, how to process things through, 
Um, and so that manifestation of overwhelm is what people see is really kind of a lack of understanding of how they can manage these emotions they're feeling. The third lift is E, and that stands for emotional reactivity. And that means that we respond emotionally in a much more deeper level. And again, that's something that people notice. These are the exterior qualities of highly sensitive people. That makes us more empathetic too. Uh, that means that we care about what happens to people around us. It's not something we sit down and try to do. It's something that just naturally happens with us. We're much more empathetic. And lastly, Rick, is the letter S, and that stands for sensing the subtle in the environment. So uh, where this is where one of the most distinguishing points about highly sensitive people is not so much that we have better sensory organs than anybody else does, but the filter that uh, people have, because we get so much sensory data, all of us mm -hmm. get this data constantly, the filter that helps drive attention uh, is more open for highly sensitive people. So what we're doing is we can scan a room and pick up things that everybody else is missing. Right Now that's not psychic or magic or anything. It's just attending to that feature. So you have those three things, four things, depth of processing, overstimulation, uh, emotional reactivity, and sensing the subtle. So those are all things that you can look at as, well, we like to think of it in the high sensitive community is that it, it, they're gifts, but they're gifts just like a uh, a uh, uh, Star Trek, the or Star Wars, the the lightsaber. Mm -hmm. It cuts both ways. If you don't know what you're doing, you're going to wind up whacking things all over the place. If you know how to use it correctly, and I don't hate using a kind of a warrior like term, but that's the first thing that came to mind, is that it can be a useful tool. And that's where I think sensitive people need to learn to embrace the trait by understanding the, the attributes that go along with it. And also some of the benefits of doing this. Now, one last point is that uh, nature, and this is something that Dr. Aaron has dis discovered, found out, is that nature has baked this into the human population. 20 to 30% of humanity has this trait. And it doesn't matter where you come from. I have friends who are HSPs from Japan, from Australia, from all over Europe, South America, uh, American, uh, North America, the U.S. and Canada, all over the world who are highly sensitive. So it does not know boundaries. It does not care about skin color. It doesn't care about what your orientation is. All it cares about is that 20 to 30 percent of the population needs to have this trait in order to be kind of the canary in the coal mine, the wise counselors, the wise advisors, because we have this ability to see and sense things that other people are missing. So when we talk about sensitivity, the way I talk about it now is less about, well, I overreact. You know, I watched uh, this movie the other night and I was just in tears because of the way it ended and so forth. I don't talk about it so much in those terms, not because I'm ashamed of that, Right. But I want people to understand that it is a full sensory experience and mm -hmm. a neurological wiring of the brain and how to process that information. So it was a little long winded, but that's I wanted to get that out there so that you, your audience heard that. But I think this is important to really look at it through this lens, because as you were going through it, I'm just like, yep, yep, yep. And I know I'm a sensitive guy, so that I'm just going to put that out there. But I also know 
to the core of my audience who will probably listen to this, whether you're gay or straight or an ally, much of this is going to much of this is going to really land for you because I'm going to go back through it as a, a as a gay person or an ally. There's a depth of processing that you go through to accept this coming out journey, whether you're the person coming out or you're the family member who's accepting something. So there's some really big depth of process. You can't. In fact, I will say, and this is a grand generalization. I'm going to say that right at the start. If you cannot process somebody coming out of the closet, you do not have the D. You do not have the deep thoughts because all you see is the surface. But what also happens is the overstimulation because there's either the overstimulation of this is how you're supposed to be in society and you get bombarded with all that. And then on the other side of the closet door, having experienced it myself and I love my gay community, my LGBTQ plus community. Then there's the other side where as soon as you come out, you get overstimulated by this is how you're supposed to be. This is what you're supposed to do, which is this happens to all of us. I'm going to come back to that in a moment here because we all get bombarded with how we're supposed to be in the world. Gay or straight doesn't matter. People have these perceptions of how you're supposed to be. So then there we are. You can't have this sensitivity without going, oh my gosh, the emotional reactivity happens in every setting. You know, if you, you can't be gay, then there's an emotional reactivity. Oh my gosh, you are gay. There's an emotional. Okay, great. Those, some of them are good, right? But as you were walking through all of this, and I love the last one because that there is this sensitivity. I I get that one completely. And somebody who's not sensitive like we are, they may be like, going, well, what do you mean the subtle stuff in the environment? Like, I see stuff when I walk in a room, when I go somewhere. There's just this stuff that I notice that a lot of people don't see. And I think this is a call. And I love, love, love these characteristics, Bill, because even if you don't see yourself as a sensitive person, I would love to challenge you to go through that process. What would it be like to deeply process something to go deeper than just the surface when you're feeling overwhelmed think about why that might be because there's a sensitive part of you as a human being that's saying i don't i can't handle this right now i can't do this right now and when we react it's our emotions and that's okay we're, we're emotional beings i'm going to say there's nothing wrong with that but there's so much that so many people are like ah oh, i'm not that sensitive I think Bill and I would both argue that every one of us are sensitive beings. The leveling of how much sensitivity we have or display, that's a whole different thing. But I love that you laid this out. And I'm so glad you took the time to lay it out, Bill, because I think this is the key to starting to A, accept yourself. If you're like, I think I'm super sensitive, but maybe I'm overreacting or people saying that. No, no, no. Go through this checklist. B, if you're trying to understand someone in your world that you're like, oh my gosh, they're so sensitive. Well, <laughs> think of what Bill just outlined here. So I'm really glad you shared that. And I'm sure this is going to help somebody who's listening because they're like, okay, I kind of get it. So how did you come to this space? I mean, this little process right here, and I'm saying little, but this short little simple process is a huge game changer. How did you come across it? Uh, you know, it, it originated with Dr. Aaron, and she posts this on her website. And I want to mention this little, not so much as a plug for her, but the idea that she's got a ton of really excellent information. She writes a wonderful blog. She has a test. It's, mm. it's one of the only tests that are out there that's recognized as a way of determining if you're highly sensitive. Take you 15 minutes to do. It's a simple question to answer type thing. 
I urge people, if you think, well, maybe I'm not, go take the test and see what, mm -hmm. where you come out. If, you, if you're over the threshold, you'll be highly sensitive. Um, there's lots of good information. And that acronym does is from Dr. Aaron herself. So that's what I like to use. It's, I don't want to try to get in. A lot of people get out and start talking about sensitivity and they, they're all over the map. They're talking about psychic abilities. They're talking about others, which mm -hmm. I'm not against. It just, it just is not the, for, the core thing that I want to get across about sensitivity when I talk yep. to people about it. These are things that people can wrap their hands around and say, yeah, that's me. Uh, and I think part of that is recognizing that that is you. It's also mm -hmm. recognizing that that is normal for you. Yep. That is normal. This is not a disorder. This is not a dysfunction of the brain. It is perfectly normal. In fact, like I said, nature not only baked it into the human population, there's a hundred animal species that exhibit the very same traits that we're talking about in, in, you know, in, in the animal species. Uh, mm -hmm. So it is a natural thing. If you come to that conclusion after all this, it's part of nature, it is who you are, it's not a bad thing. And if you learn to manage things like overstimulation, sometimes you do need to regulate emotion. That's just something that we have to get our hands around. Even Dr. Aaron says that. But the idea is that once you learn the trait, once you embrace the trait, once you be, it becomes you know, your calling card from this point forward, um, then I think it's easy for you to uh, not only talk about it, come out and say this to other people because you're talking from a place of knowledge, not only self-knowledge, but knowledge that you learn from the community of people that are working in the research and so forth. And lastly, this thing is really important as far as that point is concerned. There's nothing wrong with a man being sensitive. Let me give you an example. Uh, and I, this is what I try to do when I talk to some guys who are kind of <laughs> giving me that look. Right. If, if you were going on a hike, let's say, for example, in a place in the, in the world, like let's say up in the Pacific Northwest, you're going on a hike somewhere, uh, but there's potential danger and there's potential things that you would miss. It might be a good idea to hire a trail guide, right? Now, why would that trail guide make your journey a little bit better? Well, because your trail guide is sensitive to the things that are going on in the trail. They might be able to warn you if the weather is starting to change, you may need to change plans. They may be able to see things like a track for a wild animal and say, let's steer away and go this way. Or they may be able to say, if you go around the corner here, we get off the trail a little bit, you can see this beautiful vista that you would never know about otherwise. The mm -hmm. point is that trail guide is worth paying the money because of what they know and what they have done and what they've experienced. And it's because they're sensitive and that's how I'm using that word, sensitive, to the mm -hmm. environment they're in. And that's why I think highly sensitive people can be extremely valuable once they get past that sort of reticence to say, you know, I, I'm a sensitive, I'm a sensitive man or a sensitive woman, doesn't matter. Um, the idea is that there's usefulness to this. But the usefulness is what really I would assume starts to come out in your new book on being a sensitive man, like how you put this into application, how you make this part of your life. First part was like, here's, hey, here's my truth, you know, 
But the second part, and this is interesting to see how these two integrate um, together. Not surprising, but I've had people say to me, okay, well, you wrote, frankly, my dear, I'm gay. Great. That was your story of how you came out. <laughs> now write the book about, oh, frankly, my dear, here, how, here's how I show up as gay. You know, it's yeah. almost like you need the two pieces to come together. So in being on being a sensitive man, what are some of the like maybe a couple of tips you give guys, which apply to women probably as well, but guys on just being comfortable in your own skin as a sensitive man and living and being and doing a sensitive man in the world? Yeah, I, I'm just trying to think because I'm actually doing an online class. It's based on the book as well. So I've been right. rehashing a lot of this stuff. A lot of it is about embracing who you are. Um, I think a lot of times sensitive men um, don't have a kind of what I call a walk with confidence in life. Yep. They, they're tentative. They're afraid. They're they're afraid that somebody will find out they're, they're sensitive. And, uh, you know, that's one of the things about uh, about masculinity. It's, it's, it's self-policed, right? You have boys enforcing masculine behavior on other boys you have men enforcing it on other men it's sort of like the man code and so there's a lot of shaming and sometimes humiliation that goes along with that and it's difficult for somebody who is not say traditional in the masculine way yep um to, to, to stand up and be themselves because they've been through that shaming and humiliation. So one mm -hmm. of the things is being able to learn to walk with confidence about who you are. That has a lot to do with how you carry yourself, how you look at yourself, how you project who you are inside outwardly so other people can know that it's not, it's not one of those things where I'm trying to, let's get hyper-masculine here and go around kicking ass and all that stuff. It is more about projecting confidence and being confident as a man and being confident as a sensitive man. Um, I, I talk a lot in there. I, I really got uh, kind of wrapped up in Taoist philosophy because I thought it was a great sort of a non-religious uh, uh, philosophy, right. more of a spiritual philosophy than anything else. And I use a lot of that in the, in the, uh, in the book to, emphasize certain traits like the idea of the concept of Wu Wei, which is basically acting without acting. In other words, not being so attached to outcomes and trying to control everything. And for highly sensitive people, sometimes that's very difficult uh, to let go of things, to learn to let go and flow with life. Yes. So it's got lots of things wrapped in there that are along those lines and dealing with some of these things we talked about. How do you deal with overwhelm? How do you deal uh, with being uh, sometimes emotionally uh, sort of almost drowning in emotion. How do you get through that? How do you get past that? So those are some of the kind of things that are in the book, right? And I am sitting here kind of smiling and laughing to myself as you're saying this, because the letting go piece is so hard. I am such a sensitive guy that, come on, can we just get this done? And I've learned so much by being in relationships, uh, especially with my husband, where he's like... I, Okay, I don't want to talk about this right now, but I'm like, well, we need to do this. You know, I, I want to do it now. And it's been very helpful and enlightening to see how I can make that really work with my sensitivity and bring it into a, a much, I'm going to call it a much higher plane of being self-aware, number one. 
and realizing, okay, just because I'm a super sensitive guy doesn't mean everybody's going to meet me in my own sensitivity. So I got to make room for that as well, you know, and I, I've struggled, but I've also seen the other side of it where I'm like, okay, it's okay to be this sensitive guy, but also to learn to make room for other people to not be there with me, which is very similar to what I talk about when I'm working with people coming out of the closet. You've been preparing for this your whole life, so to speak. It may just be present right now, right? But you can't expect everybody else to jump in on the bandwagon with you the moment that you reveal this truth about yourself. And I think this is another parallel. You and I talked before we came on to record this a lot about the parallels of coming out and everything to being sensitive and how the journeys are so similar and coming out about being a sensitive guy. Like, okay, I'm just a sensitive guy. Can you just accept me for that? That's a big conversation for some men to have to have. So I love that you've done this. And I also love that you alluded to this class you're working on because you've got that coming out soon. You've got your two books. You also have the um, drama, uh, the bio that you're, or the not the bio, the documentary you're working on. So this is like your whole essence and your whole being, Bill. And I love this. So when will the class be available um, if people want to start looking at it? I know we're... We're talking, it's August right now. I'm assuming by then it may be available, but you know, uh, give us. It It should be out by then. I, I'm trying right. to time it with the release of the documentary, which is now mm-hmm. we're expecting around mid-July. Yeah, And we've got some really good people that are on and involved with the movie. Uh, uh, just recently, uh, Peter Coyote is going to join as a narr- uh, narration voice uh, for this oh, wow. movie. So, so it's it's really getting some great traction. Uh, it's called Sensitive Men Rising is the name of the mm-hmm. the, the movie. And uh, sensitive, sensitivemenrising.org is the website. So if, if people are interested, go there and keep track of when it will actually be released. Uh, nice. It's going to be premiered in San Francisco in middle of July. I'm hoping I'm going to be able to be there for that because uh, mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to seeing this come out. Come out and and I, I've been looking for this as kind of one of those benchmark things that that this is a, a game changer, I think, because media like the video is a lot of times a lot easier for a lot of men to process. If you tell a guy, hey, go read this book, they may or may not do it. But if you can say, well, sit down a minute and just watch this documentary. Uh, it's visual. It's right there. Uh, Will Harper is the director. He's going to do a great job. So I'm looking forward to that. But I think the class itself that I'm doing should be done by july maybe the end of july awesome so cool and i'm so glad you're bringing this stuff to the world because i i think part of the healing that can happen in the world is when we truly allow people to be them sensitive selves to take a deeper look at each other to really see each other in ways that we've never you know been able to do that before so um Absolutely. so again shout out the two names of the books and um you know give a shout out to your website too where people can find all the information bill Okay, Confessions of a Sensitive Man was the first book. It was kind of, as you put it, it sort of my journey and things that I've learned along the way on being a sensitive man. Uh, and these are available to all book online book retailers. Um, is more about a nuts and bolts how you can do things um, and how to learn to live with your sensitivity a- as a man. So. Um, uh, those are the two books. My website is called thesensitiveman.com. Mm-hmm. Um, and certainly love have people come out there. I've got a, lots of blog articles and things that I've written 
um, and uh, all kinds of other information, links to other people uh, in the sensitive uh, community. So, yeah. Very cool. Well, I'm so glad that you said yes to wanting to be on this because oh. it's just, it's such a thing that happens. And I hope even if some of the women that are listening, like, well, this is all about men. It's, it's the same stuff there. There's a little bit of a nuance for guys more than a little bit. I think there's a whole lot more nuance for men because women are supposed to be sensitive and this is right. what women, you know, but when we strip it away and we start to see each other as, as humans, I think that's the part of the equation here is like, can we just accept that this is who people are kind of like you accept people in their sexuality and gender right. identities and things such as that. But I'm so glad you're bringing this into the world in the way that you're doing it and making it something that's truly valuable to help change the planet and kind of spin us into a more human way of being in the world. So yeah. thanks again, man, so much for being here and sharing yourself and your message uh, with my audience. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Rick. And I appreciate you having me on. It's been a pleasure. Hey, 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 Life Uncloseted family. Another episode of Life Uncloseted has come to an end and it is time for all of us to sashay away and go face our fears, make those bold moves and stand up to living our life without apology. But before you do, I've got a favor to ask of you. Would you hop over to iTunes or Spotify or Podbean or wherever it is that you're listening to this and just give us a little bit of love if you like what we're doing here at Life Uncloseted. Here's what it does. It helps other people find the show. It helps other people get to know what we're all about. And you just might help change life. In fact, if you really want to change a life, we'd love it if you just ask a friend to take a listen and see what they think. So that's it. Love you all deeply. I'm Rick Clemens, the host of Life Uncloseted. And never stop stepping out, stepping up, and stepping in to living your life uncloseted.